Hi there, I'm Jeremy Russon, co-host of the Chat Talent People podcast. Welcome to our episode this morning, where we actually swapped the rain and wind of an English autumn night for the heat and sunshine of mid-morning LA, where it was actually 36 degrees. As we were joined by the brilliant Vern Howard, CEO and co-founder of Hello, we talked about a lot. The most interesting thing for me on this was uh, was one of the learnings he has from his time playing, playing and coaching lacrosse that he's taken into his role as a tech founder. Enjoy the episode and thanks for listening. Please take your seats. This evening's performance is about to begin. Good evening, everyone, and good evening here. Um, this, is, uh, this is obviously Jeremy from uh, Chat Talent and People Podcast. Um, we're we're going to leave, or we're going to do what we wish we could do, and leave a rather damp, drizzly, wet, and cold autumnal day, probably even wintry day in, in the UK, um, and head across to LA, where, um, according to the uh, the BBC uh, BBC weather site, it's uh, about 28, 29 degrees, 10 o'clock in the morning, and it's going to hit 36 today. Um, not jealous at all, um, but perhaps Fern Howard, who's our guest today, the co-founder and CEO at Hello, can confirm those numbers for us. Fern, is it really that nice there? It is beautiful. I'm literally talking to you and drinking some coffee. It's a great morning. So thanks for having me on the podcast, man. Not a problem at all. Thanks for making the time. Um, obviously, it's about six, it's just just turned six in the evening here. It's uh, just just gone ten in uh, in LA. Um, Vern, we're, we're going to get to find out a little bit more about you um, in a second. You are the CEO and co-founder at Hello. Um, it's not your first entrepreneurial gig, I, I believe, um, that you were at Clincher before that. Yep. Um, so, with that in mind. Um, how did you get to where you are today? Tell us a little bit about the journey that you've taken to get to be the CEO and the co-founder of Hello. Sure, sure. It's a long story. I'll try not to bore you guys. Um, so I'm originally from Rochester, New York. Um, I grew up there. It's nothing to do there but ski and, I don't know, Netflix wasn't around then, so just watch movies. It's like my pastime. Um, played lacrosse all through mostly middle school, high school, mostly elementary school as well. Um, at 16, I graduated high school, didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, my mom was like really on me to go to college, but I didn't necessarily think I was going to go to college. When you graduated at 16 and like I was gifted in math, you just think you can do anything. And I, I was on a mission to just take over the world, whatever that meant. Um, a year later, obviously, parents are usually right about these things. So I went to college. They learn from their experience, don't they? Yeah. So I ended up going to college. I called my dad. I went to Virginia where he was living. Checked out some schools, uh, UVA, Virginia Tech, and I ultimately settled on Virginia Commonwealth University. Um, awesome school, very artsy school, which is like something that I'm really interested in. It's like a creative space. Um, went to VCU, studied computer information systems with a concentration in mathematics, graduated, awesome time, loved it. Got to the career fair, two companies I wanted to talk to. JPM was around, was interested in the sales and trading program, and then Capital One, which I had no real interest in going there at all. But I remember the pitch that they gave me was our competition is at Morgan Stanley. It's Facebook. It was like 2012. Digital banking. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't a thing. You know, like crypto was not widely known about. Yeah. Um, they sold me. I mean, they pitched. That was the single pitch. Got to visit the campus in Richmond, Virginia, and then ultimately chose to work at the headquarters in Washington, D.C. in Tyson's Corner. Um, Helped build their first mobile banking application. It was an awesome project. First native mobile banking application for Capital One. Rotated over to being a white hat hacker. So basically, I was on the mm -hmm. application 
security team, hacking web apps, um, trying to find like vulner- vulnerabilities in the code. Awesome time. Wanted to move to UK. Um, my boss there actually told me like, you, you know, you're moving too fast. It's not possible. Uh, I always move fast and move around. I read a hundred books that year. One of them was on like derivatives trading. Another one was like the lean startup or something like that. Um, started yeah. trading my bonus, got an opportunity to work on the derivatives trading floor at Capital One, which was like unheard of, which was really awesome. And throughout that time at Capital One, I was like moving around so fast. A lot of the recruiting team was just like, yo, this kid is amazing. He didn't go to the Ivy League. He has a non-traditional background. We should let him go around to some schools to talk to students about like his journey at Capital One and why it's an awesome place to work. Just quickly doing that kind of road show, I noticed, one, we were only going to a limited amount of schools. And two, the only reason that we would go to schools was to educate students on our opportunities, like information about Capital One. And then let yep. them do the network with people who actually are doing the work. And I was like, why don't we just use the power of the internet to build this out? Yeah. Most people didn't think it was possible. So in 2000, it was like 2016, 17, I built out a small form where I was like, any student in the US, regardless of who you are, race, gender, age, university, prestige, you can talk to any company. Now, some of the companies I had there, they weren't actually there, but I would take the questions and send them to the recruiters on LinkedIn and they would come back and respond on my form to the questions students had. Um, and this is Clincher. Yeah, and, and this was this was actually so Clincher was actually it was like a genesis of these companies, right? Clincher was actually okay. video. It was actually a video resume platform. Um yep. it's it's ironic when you build companies, some of your old ideas come back. Clincher was a video resume platform and, and it ultimately didn't work because video was a non-starter. So what we did was like pivot over into just QA based sessions. And that turned into Hollow. And now at Hollow, we recently launched video, which is interesting because mm. It's just like a full circle. Clincher 5.0, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's your interesting space, but we, we were able to raise money um in Silicon Valley from from Garrett Camp, the co-founder of Uber and Expa. And uh, since then we've kind of scaled the platform to over 88 companies and 1,200 universities are actively represented on the platform today. Um, growing quickly, and we couldn't have planned for COVID, but we were we knew diversity was a big thing and we knew that everything would move digital at some point. And uh, I guess we've we played our cards right here. Mm-hmm. And I guess um, if with with Hello, what what's um, if you was without pitching it to me, but but if yeah. you were trying to convince me of, as, that it was a tool that I should be looking into as a TA lead or an HR lead, what 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 are the key things about the platform that differentiate it from from its com- competitors? Right, I think the biggest thing for us is like um, the initial point I always use is use data to tell your story. We're seeing a ton of companies right now with the brand and how they look to um, candidates and like, like what's the message they want to reveal to candidates to attract more candidates that they need to remain competitive. The fact of the matter is at scale, there's no way for you to interact with every candidate that you want, especially at the collegiate level right now, um, and understand how they feel about you so you can kind of sell them on your company. And right now, I think we've been all throwing darts at the board. I know a, a ton of companies have been, and they have no real strategy on how to do that. Like, what is employer branding? For us, we're like, use data to tell your story. Build relationships with these communities real time whenever you want to at the click of a button. And then after, we collect data on those interaction touch points to understand who you are as a brand, how certain demos feel about you, and how you can change or alter that to recruit more of wh- whatever you want. So like, if you mm-hmm. want to target more women or more minorities or more schools in the southeastern region, then we can actually help you do that by building real authentic relationships. We hate the transactional nature of recruiting right now. So we don't even 
like on my team, I kind of try to tell people don't use the word recruiting at all. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, it does have it does have that um, yeah very, very um, transactional as you say um, feel to it. Um, the, the I had a quick look around um, hello today um, or hello earlier today, should I say? Um, and um, it, it, if you if you take it in its broadest sense, it's a series of um, meetings or interactions between candidates and company, and so and, and you, you you kind of call it, it the an online event com- uh, um, platform. Is that is that still what you would say it was? Yeah, so we always say it's an online events platform because what I noticed is that most people dive down and say, oh, this is a career fair platform or, or whatever, but recruiting is just not an HR thing anymore. It starts from the mm-hmm. top. But if you had the CEO of whatever company you call it, yeah. an event where he's talking about his mission and his strategy forward, that's a tool for recruiting, regardless if you mm-hmm. call it that or not. And I think we see now, especially with social media, each one of your employees at your company at this point is a recruiting tool, depending on how you use them. So anyone can host these events. So that's why we kind of generalize it to online events, because we have software engineers for companies host events and recruit different students, um, which is awesome. So it's more generalized there, but the data is really important to us and sharing that data. Yeah. Um, And what's been the um, impact of of obviously COVID? Because you're you're digital first uh, from an events perspective. And there are lots of companies that have gone from being offline and, and coming online into into your space, presumably. What what impacts that had on on Hello as a platform? Right. So the the, the surge to online, um, we grew four hundred and ten percent in a day. The servers crashed. Um, so so that was in, that was really exciting and, and hectic for a day for us for the engineering team. Um, yeah. But what I think. I'm super bullish on the fact that everyone is going online because what it's going to do is if we look at the base level of what online did outside of the educational or recruiting space, it democratized Mm -hmm. access to a lot for for many different people, right? If you were in Idaho and you didn't have access to like talk to your friend in California outside of like just being on the phone, Facebook opened that network up for you to chat with many different people. And I think what's happening now with educational resources moving to a digital space it's going to democratize access of like one credentialing, meaning you didn't have to go to Stanford to get that job at Google now, right? Google just launched Google Genius, which is their mm-hmm. new system of kind of getting a degree. It's awesome. Yep. I think it's going to open up so many pathways and it's going to impact diversity at a high level. And I'm excited. I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, Google Genius. Um, the, the name, the, the clue is in the name, really, isn't it? So yeah, very, very, very clever and and absolutely um, going to drive the, the education sector forwards. Um, there are one or two other companies looking at that as well. But um, So you, you, you talked about this um, being aimed at the, the, sort of the collegiate um, community. Do you see it working in any other um, demographics? Yeah, I, I think it's going to go in both directions. I think it's going to open it up for the younger generation of like high school students who may be like me and they don't know, you know, my stories. Like, where do, where, where do I go? Where do I go to school? What happens next? And I think that's interesting. But I think what's really interesting is the later stage of folks who they've been working two to five years and they know they might want to make a career path change. What does that look like? You know, I think Core is an awesome resource because when you go to Core, you type in certain questions and you realize like millions of people have the same question as you. I've been working five years. How do I get a job in Amazon? Right. I really want to work at this company. How do I do it? And once you see that on Core, you're just like, wow, 
It's a whole world out there of people who have questions. And right now, it's fragmented across the internet. The brilliant part about the internet was it opened up resources for everyone. The also gift and the curse of the internet was it opened up resources for everyone. So there's so much information out there now. People are looking for a source of truth to guide them on their journey. And I think that's an exciting space. So. Yeah, yeah. And what I can say, going back over my, my sort of um, little flick through through Hal earlier today, um, there's obviously a lot of, um, uh, I guess, consumer consumer style interaction that takes place. Um, but also, you take you appear to have taken bits from some of the some of the better social media um, platforms. Um, and I'm thinking about particularly about one element, which which was the upvote concept. Yep. Um, just talk talk us through how that works and what you know, what the impact of that is on for, for both the the user and and your client company. Right. So I, honestly, like one thing I saw in the market was. We, we can all take ourselves back to the days of career fairs and you, you go in there and you walk in and it's like, uh, I always compare it to like San Francisco restaurants. If you drive down the street in San Francisco and you want to know like where the good restaurants are, you just look for the lines, right? Yeah. And that's much how career fairs are, right? It's not even like the good companies. It's just like, obviously the, the ones that everyone wants to go to, which people are a creature of habit and they all run to the same lines. Amazon line is like wrapped around. Yeah, there's a bit of FOMO in there, isn't there as well? Yeah, and, and I think that's interesting. And so the upvote literally was a product decision I made because I wanted to understand what companies students wanted to talk to before I actually engaged the company. I'm really big on like not wasting time, especially in the, in the product and not wasting time on either side of the marketplace with students or employers. So before I'll actually reach out to an employer, I'll engage the student audience in our community to say like, is this a company you want to talk to? Now, of course, like we'll see them go through the roof for like a big brand, but what I'm all what like the measurement I'm actually taking is like for the brands that aren't super well known, like how many students want to talk to them, and where are these students located? Like, what are their backgrounds? Like, wh- who are they? Because that's an interesting metric and KPI to measure. So that's literally why I built the upvote um, secret sauce for any like founders. Every time I build a growth hack, I build a product on top of it. Not like feature group, but I also I always want to make sure any growth hack I build can run on its own, like automated. So yeah. like hand in hand. Excellent. Okay, and, and actually, uh, just just touching on on being a founder, um, and what what's um what, if, if you were giving advice to someone coming from the back, sort of background that you've come from, so as you say, not the Ivy League, etc., and and they they decided they wanted to go into being an entrepreneur, being a, a founder of a of a tech product tech company, what, what's the best piece of advice you could give someone? Would you laugh if I say don't? No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> no, I wouldn't laugh. I've heard that before. <laughs> no, I would say that if you don't come from that traditional background, um, it, it's it's very challenging. Um, mm-hmm. I'd say that initially and, and be aware that it is very challenging, but it's not impossible. I always like laugh. It's like impossible takes um uh, just a bit more time than in anything else. It's just, it's, 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 it's doable. And I think as, as we like, as I look back on my journey, I align myself with a ton of people who had done it before. That's yeah. like a superpower for me is like, I'll reach out to anyone. I think Steve Jobs is like a quote that he has is like, he reached out to like Michael Dell or anyone else because what you notice is most founders won't send that email. They won't reach out to someone because they'll like, oh, they'll never respond to me. And yeah. I'm there direct opposite because I'll reach out to anyone and I, I don't mind if they say no and I'll try again next week. So I think you got to align yourself with people who've done it before 
And that allows one for you to raise money, but two to build trust in that community of like tech, which is very, it's a very small community, even though it seems mm. very large, especially in mm. San Francisco. Okay. Okay. And, and what's, um, what's kind of next for, for Hello as a platform without giving too many trade secrets away? Right. So I'm bullish on two things. Like first, um, I was super bullish on education going fully digital. I think it's a yeah. unique place we're in right now. It's the first time every parent, student, teacher is actively online at rates that they are for social media. Like everyone's eyeballs is, are yeah. on the ed tech platforms. I think that's exciting. Um, so I think that's what credentialing looks like in the future is exciting. I think the educational system is kind of crumbling because right now, like in Past generations, it was based on your socioeconomic status. If you could get in the right school or pay for the right school, or your parents knew someone, you could get there and kind of run a little bit faster. What's mm-hmm. happening now is like the cost isn't making sense for students, and they're they're smart. They're they're very smart, and they're just like, hey, I'm not going to pay for this. I'm going to go to my community college and do it. You know, get a computer science degree and just code and build cool stuff and get still get the job. I think that's yeah. exciting. Like, what happens with credentialing? So that's what we're really looking into. Is like. How does the educational system change and how do we connect the dots from like a abnormal education system that we're not used to, to like the career pathing? Like, what does that look like for Facebook to hire you now if you didn't go to Stanford? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And and I guess particularly, I mean, the career um, or the education system, um, certainly in the UK, and I don't know if it's the same in the US as, um, has, has creeped substantially under the the, the pressures of um, of COVID and children not being able to go to school and and etc. Is is there anything you you think that you can do in that space? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the most exciting space to look at right now. I'm very interested in seeing how we can better prepare students for the job um, mm-hmm. and. What does that curriculum look like that they were that that you might have taken at that school, and how do we give that to you online? Like, what are those? Yeah. I think that's just an exciting space. It's a challenging problem, but I think it's yeah. the one that we all should be focused on right now. It's 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 really interesting. You mentioned there about the skills that um, kind of the skills that people need for work, um, which obviously isn't isn't something that necessarily a lot of a lot of people touch on the moment. But one of the one of the things that that um, career services certainly in the UK do a lot is they teach um, teach students teach pupils how to write a resume how to write a CV. Um, my 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 colleague um, Ellen, who's our digital marketing specialist, did a little bit of research for me, and she found a quote from you in two thousand and fifteen um, in the Black Enterprise magazine, where she said, "Where you said resumes don't work for everyone; they only tell a quarter of the story." Do you want to tell us a little bit more about what you thought there? Because it's it's something that's really, you know, it's very, very important as a discussion point in the UK and, and the global global market. Yeah, I, I think for me, so one of the the things that I noticed is that I would put in resumes. It was at a point in my career where I was at, I was at Capital One, and I was like, either I'm going to start a company or I'm going to go to like a big tech company. And I was like trying to understand the system of like resumes. And tweaking my resume with little keywords and it wasn't working. So I wanted a job at Snapchat. And literally what I did was I reached out to a recruiter at Snap and asked them some questions like, what are you guys looking for? And like, what do you focus on at Snap? And like, what's coming next? And like a lot of product questions. And I really wanted to work on a product team there. And after asking all these questions, he's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, you know, what's your thing? Or 
And I noticed that one, he gave me a ton of information on like Snapchat and what's coming next. So I could actually alter my conversation um, for if I did get an interview. And two, he never asked for my resume. It was all based on relationship and information. Two things I did not have, right? I had a resume, but that was just going to go into a black hole. But the information in the network, I didn't have, but I was able to build that by just talking to him. And the next week, I think I did two interviews over Google Hangouts. And then the week following, I was in LA interviewing for Snapchat. That quick. That, that's how fast it happens. So I knew I noticed resumes were just like they're actually a way to weed people out. Yeah, yeah. So wrongly, and, and and obviously you can't you can't tell about someone from a piece of paper. You know, you can't. There are not not everyone has the creativity to to actually build the resume because it it has to be creative to stand out, particularly at the moment. So it's really it's really encouraging to hear that even in two thousand fifteen there were companies saying. Don't give us your resume. We're actually more interested in you, um, which is which is really important. I guess the the this then comes through to the whole candidate experience, um, which I think is from from my understanding of you is, is actually something that's very important to you. Both having experienced a, a good experience, if you like, but also within Hello. So, how do you think we can impact the, the candidate experience more positively in in the uh, in the industry? Yeah, I think one thing that everyone needs to zoom out um, from the transactional nature or I need to make this hire or check a box or I need a diversity hire or I need a software engineer and bring it to like a human perspective. I think in this industry, we've all um, we're all lacking empathy, um, which allows us to not recruit certain people that we want to target. And I think as we continue to build talent relationships, that's like a big buzzword that I see, but it's actually a real thing. Relationships matter and actually talking to different people in different communities. That's how you recruit and that's how you build. It's just like, it's the same thing people do with customers, right? You don't just go out into customers and like try to, you understand who they are and what their needs are before you just try to sell them something. And I think we've all gotten into the nature of like, here's a job board. Here's what we're hiring for. Um, if you don't have these skill sets, obviously you're not a fit. Like we don't need to talk about it. Like if you don't fit this, I mean, that's just, that's not, that's not how the world is working right now. Yeah. Um, and especially this new generation of students, they'll literally look at your job posting and skip over it. I mean, it'll be yeah. a rock star software engineer will just say, oh no, I don't want to work at this large big tech company. I'm going to go work at a startup because the startup actually took the time out to talk to me yeah. to see what I wanted. And I think that's yeah. like a huge indication of where the market's going to go. So how do we how do we get to a point where because obviously if 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 you're doing that one to one interaction at scale it becomes quite difficult to to speak to absolutely everyone who applies which is the I guess is the mecca of of recruitment. Um how do we how do we do that at scale? Right. So yeah, and that's exactly why we built Hollow. So we are actually allowed to uh we host these events initially. Um, with a company, and if they have goals of just chatting with everyone to kind of do this weeding mechanism, I think the first thing we have to do is affect the top of the funnel, right? If you can affect the top of the funnel, the bottom of the funnel is naturally better. It's more diverse. It's more it's people from different backgrounds. So at first on Hollow, we want to affect the top of the funnel. So we can host events right now with up to 100,000 students concurrently. And we've hosted events with over 1,000 wow. students have joined to interact with a company. And even if a single recruiter only joins to answer questions, he or she can get through all the questions in an hour. Um, So that's the first part. After we host a kind of event for everyone, we allow that recruiter to go through the candidates that she's interacted with um, outside of the feedback that the candidate has given her and the company. 
and understand who she needs to communicate with next. Maybe that's where the one-on-one happens. Maybe we do another Mm -hmm. sifting kind of event. But I think we have to affect the top of the funnel first, and that's what we're here to do. Um, Recruiter's job is naturally to go through the the bottom of the funnel and pick. Um, But the top of the funnel needs to naturally be diverse first, um, so she has better options. But, and this is a lot of this is is marketing concepts. You know, we we run um, webinars for for um, tech clients, um, and we we almost use we what well, we do use the same funnel approach where we we commit to getting a certain number of um, a, a, a attendees at the top end of the funnel, but then at the bottom end of the funnel, it's up to them to work to turn what essentially is a lead into in, into business. Um, it's and, and you know that you, you you say to them you you look at the the people who've actually attended the webinar, and they're you know, they're a, a, a fifty out of out of a hundred. Let's say let's call them. You then look at the people who've attended it and interacted within the webinar, so asked a question. They're the seventy five out of a hundred, um, if you like. Is it the same sort of same sort of process that a recruiter at a company would would use with yourselves? Yeah. So so we not only show them how many people registered compared to how many people attended. I think the funnel is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It's marketing and it's like buy buyer behavior. So it's basically like we actually can show you as a com- as a company how many people registered early, how many people yep. of those that registered attended, like showed up, and then how many of those people actually asked the question. We think that is the new metric for employer branding, right? Because mm-hmm. it's actually how many of these events are you hosting and what does success look like? Are you actually being successful? Is that employer is that conversion number of how many people registered all the way down to asking a question? Is that increasing? And if it is, yep. well, we can successfully say that you are capturing a better audience and more engaged audience. Um, but we also show other metrics like where's your reach? Um, what I notice is like they're all going to the same schools companies are because that's what they've been doing for, for the past 20 years. Like the head of engineering went to Michigan, so we're going to go to Michigan. Um, but also they don't know where other students are that are like very interested in the brand. So what we yep. show them is a heat map of across the U.S. right now. Um, where students are highly engaged with their brand, much like Spotify yeah. does with music artists. Like it, they literally tell music artists like, hey, you can go to L.A. and New York and tour. That's awesome. But if you go to Idaho, so many people love you there, you'll sell out the show. If you go to L.A. or New York right now, you might do like 25 percent of your sales. And that's what we're trying to show companies is like, hey, instead of going where you've always gone and competing with, for, for example, like a huge brand and their table's full and yours is not. Why don't you go tap on the talent that, sh- that no one's paying attention to that's that's like rock star talent? And you can only do that by showing where the engaged students are. And we've done this consecutively with a number of companies, like let them discover universities that were not even on their radar. And I think that's exciting. That's how we make impact. Yeah. And, change. Yeah. and, that's, and that's, again, going back to the, 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 the use of data and the, the, the ability you have to collect that data at scale um, to show the, the client or the potential client um, what's the best place for them to go. It's 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 a yeah, it's a, it's a new trend very much. Well, not it's 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 a trend that has grown. Should we say the the use of data in in TA? Um, so that's it's that's really um, really interesting to hear the the marketing analogies because we we obviously that's, that's that's obviously a big part of the uh, the recruiting world at the moment is is having those. Um, Marketing skill sets, the understanding of marketing, and, and many of the systems we we work with the the, the 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 HR technology systems are marketing systems that have been adapted. So it's it's, it's really interesting to hear that. So um, thank you for that. Um, so 
I guess to, just to change tack um, slightly, we've obviously got the pandemic um, going on at the moment, and there's a, a sort of fairly, um, I, I guess, major distraction um, going on in the US at the moment, which is the uh, the run up to the presidential elections. And um, we, we we've asked each of our American guests that have come on recently um, if you if you were to take the individuals out of this, and we saw the two individuals go head to head last night, particularly. Um, and, and their parties and the two main parties. But uh, and imagine a, a new party turns up tomorrow, or you you get to create a new party. What would um, what would your three sort of key manifesto promises be, Fern? Yeah, I think what's really important to me is like equal opportunity. Um, America's in a really unique space, and I get, and for me, especially as a minority founder, um, what we're seeing right now. It's not necessarily new. It's just we have phones and we have a ton of information access, which is good because, the, I mean, going back to our earlier stage of this conversation, that is good because it's shining a light on problems that, that have been around that were just kind of yeah. hidden. Um, yeah, I, I think for me, it wouldn't even be three things. I, I think someone like the one big thing I'm really concerned about is like someone who comes on and like values distance traveled and like understand the story of people who kind of have been like segmented out of like the dream or the vision or the American dream, whatever that is that, that, that it's called today. But I think that's really important um, because there have been people in, in this country that have been marginalized um, to mm-hmm. a great extent and, and it, it, it does impact, right? There's, there's everyone yeah. loves data, but once we look at, it's funny, everyone loves data, but once we look at the data of like things that may be unsettling for us, um, yeah everyone runs from the data at that point, right? It's like doing due diligence. Like, wow, this is amazing data, but like, nah, I don't think so. Um, Yeah, it doesn't suit my purposes. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think it's a money problem. So I guess for me, I think we see a lot, a ton of people right now are throwing money at situations and uh, it's not really making as big as an impact as as I think they believe it will. And we'll only see that in future years to come that money is not going to solve it. It's actually sitting down and having these discussions, which could be hard for some, some. So that's yeah. really what matters to me is like equal opportunity. Yeah. We talked um, on a, an event in the UK uh, recently um, about about Simla um, and said that um, it, it was around Black Lives Matter and it was specifically at work. And so uh, the, 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 the presenter was talking about um, about this quite passionately, obviously. And I said to her, is, is it... Um, do you, do you think it's something that has has really got the momentum now um, when you compare it to, say, um, Rodney King and what happened to Rodney King in the early 90s, where there was this sort of short-term um, element of anger, of, of upset, of, of promises to do something differently, and it kind of then it kind of died a death once it had gone around to the four or five of the US states. It didn't really go any further. But now, obviously, with social media, um, what's happened recently in the States is now a worldwide phenomena. Um, do, you, do you see that as as one of the, you know, probably the, the biggest positive of social media, that it, yeah. it does, does make things, you know, does make people more aware and therefore there's an opportunity to have the conversation? Yeah, I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, again, the information access that 
people are able to like dive, like people can literally do a ton of their own research. It's so funny, like even now with the political parties and like fact checking and all these things, it's, it's even some people who have access to like the internet and can access every piece of information and fact check thing and they, and they just choose not to because it's all out there. <laughs> I think uh, social media has just opened everyone's eyes to a huge problem that maybe five, 10 years ago, people would have kind of ignored and said like, you know, that's not really a thing. That's just, you know, that's just one person. Or now we're seeing that this is a huge issue. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, I, I guess for me, it's like, it's, it's the gift and the curse is like, it's, it's a lot for me, especially as a minority to see on social media at this mm-hmm. scale, it's like every day now. Um, but it's also helpful for others to see it. Um, because that's how we make real change. Um, yeah. I, no, there was no, there was no uh, social media during the Rodney King thing. We, we randomly yeah. got a video. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it arrived on the news sort of 36, 48 hours later in the UK. And, um, and, and you, know, you, you did get it literally two days behind. We knew what was going on recently within minutes as videos were posted. Actually, even, even while it was happening, you, you knew what was happening in, in those circumstances. So it's quite. So it's, it's, it, it gets a lot of um, a, a, a lot of uh, a, a, a lot of criticism. Social media, but I think from that perspective, we should uh, we, we should accept that it's a great a great tool for making people more aware of um, of some of the challenges. Um, but, um, completely different tack again. Um, you've mentioned. You've alluded to lacrosse earlier in uh, in in the uh, the conversation. And that's clearly a passion of yours as well. Tell me, tell me a little bit about how you got into lacrosse and sort of why it continues to be a passion. Um, so yeah, two of my uncles played lacrosse um, in high school and in college. Um, terrible, like literally growing up, it was like every. I feel like in New York, everyone plays basketball. That was terrible. Not even that tall, man. But. Um, yeah, so basketball didn't come naturally. And I checked out the sport of lacrosse. And honestly, when I first started playing, it was like in maybe elementary or middle school. I'm too old to, to remember now. 31, you start losing everything. Um, so, 51. So, yeah, I'm not even going to go into that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, I, I think, like, I, I went to, like, watch a practice one day. And I just saw this kid. Literally, I remember he just got nailed. It was just like, I was like, wow, this is like a violent sport. It's like, it was super violent, but it was very graceful at the same time. But I mean, I was like, ah, oh, it's kind of like this mix of like hockey, but they were running like basketball level plays, right? And mm-hmm. I told my mom, like, I'm going to sign up, super expensive. So it was between lacrosse and hockey. And she's just like, dude, hockey is too expensive. Like, just play lacrosse. Tried out. I met this guy who's my coach, and I was terrible when I first started. Coach Beanie, he's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he was literally just like taking a liking to me and like teaching me the game. And I would just travel around in, in upstate New York, like across this, like everything. Syracuse is there. It's just huge. Right. It's like a big thing. Um, and then one year I joined a team and it was like, I just, it just took off. I just loved it so much. I just continued to play. Um, and now I'm just like obsessed with it. I'm like, Oh, I just wish I could play again. I actually started coaching a couple of years ago and it was like amazing for me to just be able to teach people the game the same way I learned. Um, but yeah, honestly, no magic story there. I was just terrible in any other sport. And then <laughs> out of nowhere, I just started to love lacrosse. It's, it's a great sport though. Uh, and, and, and do you see, um, learnings from your lacrosse 
career, should we call it a career, um, that you take into your 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 role as an entrepreneur, as a as a co-founder? Yeah, patience. So I move really fast and sometimes it's sometimes it's really good, especially in startups, but sometimes it's not. Um, and I think in lacrosse, that was one thing I learned a ton is patience. The game is very graceful. Um, and I mean, they call lacrosse the fastest game on two feet and it is very quick, but when you're playing it, it is extremely slow. It yeah. looks, you know, and, and that's one thing I learned is like, if, if you watch like a, a really good team like Cuse or Hopkins, you'll actually see how they move the ball around even Maryland. Like it's very quick, but it's very graceful and they are all very patient on it just how they pass the ball and where they pass. Um, and I think that's just something I learned playing the sport. So, so just, just that ability, just to take that step back very briefly, look at the scene, see what, see what the, the next best step is instead of, instead of just going on this constant journey where you're not taking that, that review time, if you like. So that's, exactly. yeah, excellent. It's, it's nice to have a, a, a to, to ask a question about the links between sport and business and not be told it's all about the teamwork. Um, but that's, um, but that is, I think, I think it's a really, really interesting piece um, around, around patience. Um, so yeah, um, that's, that's really interesting. Um, Vern, um, I'm, I'm, I've kind of got through everything I wanted to get through. It's been, it's been really interesting. Um, the, the platform sounds superb. Um, it, what are the what are the sort of the plans for uh, geographic expansion? Because you've talked very talked very much about the US. You know, are you looking further afield at the moment? Yeah, so we've been getting a lot of inbound from the UK. Um, we have a good number of UK students on the platform. Um, wasn't wasn't like of our doing, but we're seeing that a ton of students are interested in one international uh, engagement with companies, so they mm-hmm. want to talk to you know, Facebook in U.S. or other companies on uh, using the platform. So um, no plans for international expansion, but it's kind of like organically happening, which is exciting for us. And we get to learn. We, we selfishly yeah. get to learn. Um, but maybe in the future, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I very much look forward to uh, to seeing that because uh, say I, I like what I saw on the uh, on, on the platform today. Um, I've liked what I've heard from you. Been really, really interesting um, hearing about your background. Um, Thank you so, so much for joining us today. Um, and really, Vern, um, best of luck for the future. And we uh, we look forward to watching Hello Grow. Thanks so much, man. Take care and thanks for having me on the podcast. No worries. Enjoy the rest of your day in the sunshine. Cheers, Vern. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Head over to chattalent.com for more blogs, vlogs, webinars, and other great content about HR, talent, and recruiting. Everything you could possibly need. Enjoy. Enjoy.